Good morning. Welcome, welcome to church this morning, and I want to be the second staff member to wish you a happy new year as we head into 2022. And just for those who are watching by live stream, just to give them a heads up as we're heading into this, we will be celebrating communion at the end of the service this morning. So if you're at home watching, please go ahead and just gather the items that you need for communion so that you can celebrate the communion with us as we do that. So this morning, I want to continue as we start our new year off with sort of closing up the series we've been talking about called The Parent's Perspective. And we've been looking at just sort of this whole Christmas story through the eyes of the parents. Now, this morning is going to be a little bit different. And most people say, well, that's normal because I'm up here. Uh, My name is Pastor Paul. If you don't know me, I'm the executive pastor here at Faith Fellowship. Pastor Jeff and Pastor Ann are away spending time with family. And we just pray for them that they enjoy that time with their family. So I'm doing things a little bit differently. There are no notes this morning. So you just get to look at me. And I just really, when putting it together, I just felt like there really just wasn't a need. There's also no slides today. So it brought me back to a time when um, I was approached one morning with a phone call about 7 o'clock in the morning from a staff member that says, we have no power at the church. And I said, well, do you know what happened? They go, there's an accident coming into the church. The utility lines are down. They don't know when they're going to get it back up. I said, okay, and they go, so can you start calling people and telling them that we're canceling church? And I said, excuse me? They go, we're going to cancel church because we don't have power. I says, no, you have an acoustic guitar. We can go outside. It's sunny. And we can just talk loud and sing loud. I go, we're going to have church. Another Sunday, I had to tell someone that our projection systems were down. So during worship, there would be nothing on the screens. The response I received back was, well, we're just not worshiping this morning then. Because we get so tied up on technology that we can't have church without technology, but we can. Because church is about church. It's not about the things we see or all the razzle-dazzle things that we do. So if the tech team leaves during service today, it's because they just have nothing to do and they don't know what to do with themselves. So... And even to make things worse this morning, um, I'm actually not going to read the scriptures till the very end. So we're not going to read the scriptures at the very beginning. I just like to, to mix things up when I'm up here and make things different. So as I said, we've been looking at the birth of Jesus through the eyes of the parents and the impact on the family. But to continue that look today as we sort of finish this up, we actually have to go back to the beginning of the story. And sort of put things back into place again. So we're just going to take a step back. And we're going to look at this just traditional story that every year we spend time celebrating and we've built seasons around and we've built this whole holiday around and the world's built this whole commercial market around this this season. But as we remember that, we have to know that for this season to exist, For this season to be here, to be what we celebrate, that God had to find some people. And he had to put together the characters in this story that we read and talk about. He had to find people that, number one, were willing to listen, that weren't 
so preoccupied with what was going on around them or the problems that were they were dealing with in their life or just with just trying to keep up with the day-to-day struggles that they're going through that they were willing to stop and listen when he spoke to them. He then had to find people that were full of faith. We talk about faith and faith is just something where you just have to sometimes just step out and say, God, you told me that you were going to take care of this. So I step out and I'm going to allow you to do what you've said. So he had to find people that were willing to step out on that faith that he was talking about. And lastly, he had to find people that were willing to be obedient to his call. And we're going to talk about that call and talk about just the difficulty of following that and what they went through. You see, as we enter this this period of this, this holiday of Christmas, back at the time when Jesus was born, God had not spoken for over 400 years. It was a time of complete unrest. The Jewish people, though they were in their homeland, were completely under the thumb of the Roman Empire. They were ruled by them. So at this point, the people are hungry to hear from God again. They're hungry for deliverance from this oppression that they were living under. And so after the 400 years, the first sounds that we begin to hear from God are in the form of proclamations or announcements. But they're not to everybody. They're not to the entire Jewish world. They're to some of the most unimaginable people that we could think about that God would choose to break his silence among. People that were just unnoticed, unrecognized, not even thought about in the day-to-day walk in people's world. And everyone was looking to the religious leaders. Everyone was looking to the people that they respected as to where, when is God going to break his silence? And unbeknownst to all of them, God was breaking it. Over in the backside of town where people didn't really go. To people that they really didn't relate to or talk to. Those were the people that he chose to speak to. He chose to speak to Mary. We encounter Mary as a young woman, what we would refer to as a teenager, a child. At what could be referred to as possibly the most exciting time of her life, she was engaged. She was about ready to get married. She was going to start her journey in life with her husband. And God spoke to her, a teenager. He then spoke to Joseph. We find him at about the same intersection of his life, either as a late teenager, maybe a very, very young adult getting ready to marry his bride, to begin his life. 
And God speaks to him. Chooses him. Where were the people looking? They were looking to the elders. They were looking to the people that had all the knowledge. The people that had studied for years and years and years. And God was speaking to the unnoticed. And I often wonder as we go back and you know, we, we look at the Christmas season and we see it, what I call it, in the eyes of Hallmark. We see it in the eyes of Charlie Brown Christmas. The scripture doesn't really tell us a lot about this. It's really contained in about two books. One, not books, actually chapters. One chapter in Matthew and one chapter in Luke. That's it. We've built this world tradition around these two chapters. And it doesn't tell us a lot. It doesn't tell us a lot of the struggle. It doesn't tell us a lot of the family drama. It doesn't tell us all of the details that we would just love to know. But see, God does things that way. He tells us what we need to know. He tells us the important parts of it. But if Mary and Joseph were here, I'm wondering if they would sort of agree with the way that we tell the story. Agree with our interpretation and how we celebrate it. You know, I think Charlie Brown's Christmas gets a little bit closer than most. Because it talks about the struggle of the modern world and Christmas. But not the Christmas holiday, but the true meaning of what Christmas is all about. And that struggle of how we get so wrapped up that it takes Linus to come out on the stage, to turn the lights off, to get rid of all the distractions of the things that are bothering people because the tree isn't decorated just right and we don't have the angels or the sheep in exactly the place that they need to be and the cows aren't mooing the way I want them to moo. And he just shuts it all down. And he reads the scripture. He tells the story, the way that God tells the story. You see, as we tell the story, it sounds so wonderful and so amazing. But could you imagine being Mary and Joseph at that time in their life? Young children, as we would call them. We'd look at them today and go, oh, they're just babies. That's what we would see. And the unique thing is, is that God did not tell the priest. He didn't send a prophet to Mary's family and anoint her. He didn't tell Mary's parents when she was born, she will bear the Messiah. And then they raised her with her knowing that her whole life. Same thing with Joseph. Priest didn't come and tell him he would take care of the Messiah, that he would be the stepfather to him. His parents didn't raise him with that knowledge. No. God spoke to them. He spoke to them personally. And as far as we know, the scriptures leave it to the fact that there was no other revelation to anybody else but to those two at that point. And they had to tell the story. They had to be willing to listen. 
they had to be full of faith and they had to be willing, they had to be willing to be obedient to his call. Because Mary had to go and tell her parents. Mary had to go tell her fiance, I'm pregnant. And then try to explain to them how. Joseph had to go to his parents and explain that the woman that he was engaged to, the woman that they had sort of prepared this marriage to, was pregnant and the child wasn't his. But it's okay. Don't worry about it, mom and dad. Do you imagine just a child trying to tell you something of this magnitude? And that's who God chose to lead this story. To be the ones that had to play it out. It's two young children having to carry out God's plan. Having to talk to their elders, talk to their parents. Parents who would plan their lives out for them. And this wasn't exactly what they had planned for them. And when you read the gospel, the gospels don't tell about the beautiful wedding that they had. It doesn't tell about just the celebration that surrounded such an event. No, what the Bible tells us is that a woman who was, about, who was engaged to be married hurries out of town to go see her aunt Elizabeth. So what we know about Mary, I just want to read, is just the visitation from the angel and her conversation with the angel. And I just want to read that to you out of Luke 1, starting with verse 30. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, which was a very common thing. When an angel appears to you, you hope it says, do not be afraid. Because I hope you're afraid if an angel appears to you in the middle of the night. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And if an angel does appear, that is exactly what you want to hear. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him, give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, therefore the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is a sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, I love this part, a teenager who is being told something that we would see as absolutely impossible, that absolutely upturns and uproots her world. If this is true, how am I going to tell my mom and dad? 
how am I going to tell Joseph? And her response is, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Would we say that? When God tells us something that changes our world, would we be like this young teenager and just say, God, if that's what you want to do, then go right ahead. I am your servant. You see, she embraced what God was telling her. This life-changing news. And then the very next thing the scripture tells us is that she gets out of town. And it says, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the, into the hill country toward a town in Judah. With haste. If you look it up in the Greek, it means she went in a hurry. Period. Why did she go? The Bible doesn't tell us. All we know is the angel told her about her aunt Elizabeth, as we call her. That's what we know. Did she go because she wanted to confirm the news? Did she go because it was just really a good idea to get out of town and just get away from the rumors and all the talk? A way to just get out and process what was going on in her life. And upon arriving, Pastor Jeff tells us the whole beginning of that introduction between Mary and Elizabeth. But I love after what Aunt Elizabeth tells her, what Mary responds back to her. And, she, and it says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of the hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has kept his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. This does not sound like a confused young girl who was running away trying to figure out what to do with her life. This is showing a young girl who is embracing the call of God. She stays with her aunt for about three months. Once again, it doesn't tell us why three months. It doesn't tell us why she decided at that time it was time to go back. We don't even know if Joseph has, knows about it as of this point. Because the story of Joseph and the story of Mary are in different books. We don't know. But we just know after three months... She goes back. And then if you flip over to Matthew, 
flip back to Matthew, you sort of see the, the story of Joseph. We don't know how he found out. We don't know what the process was. We know that he did think about divorcing her, which would have been very understandable at that time. But in Matthew one twenty, it says that Joseph went to sleep. And an angel appeared to him. And once again, the angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now notice the whole story. The angel says, that which is conceived with her, that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. That's it. No night of wrestling with God, no sitting down explaining everything. Just, Joseph, what's in her is conceived of God. Don't be afraid to take her. And the Bible tells us that when Joseph awoke, he did as he was told. That simple. Sounds simple. It's the way we hallmark the story and make it so wonderful. But just imagine being Mary and Joseph and just what they were going through, the drama of what they were doing with with family, with parents, with friends, of just walking around town and people talking. But what they had were these announcements, these proclamations that were made privately to them as far as we know. That's what they had to deal, to, to hold on to. And then the news of the census comes, which was probably a great relief for them because now he needed to go about 70 to 80 miles away. And he had to take his wife with him. So now we can get away. We can get away from all of this drama and we can register for the census and just sort of get away from things. And then begins the part of the story that we're very familiar with, the birth of the baby Jesus. And when the baby's born, then the next announcement comes. This one is not so private. But once again, it's not an announcement that's made in downtown Jerusalem. It's not an announcement that's made in the middle of Times Square. It's an announcement that's made outside of town. In a field with shepherds. And when we go back and look at that, once again, God is choosing to speak to those that the rest of the religious world, that the the rest of the righteous ones would not even consider to talk to. Because see, the shepherds were unclean. The shepherds had to deal with the Gentiles. The shepherds had to bargain and deal and trade with the Gentiles. They were unclean for anything. They were not allowed to worship in the temple at all. If something happened and they were a witness to a crime, if they were a witness to a murder, 
they were not allowed to testify because they were unreliable. And they sort of had earned this of their own because they sort of got the difference between thine and mine confused from time to time. And they believed what was thine was mine. But as they're sitting out there in the field, Luke 2 tells us, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on, on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. An angel of the Lord stood before them, interrupting the quiet of the night. Breaking the darkness. And he brought good tidings. Good tidings literally means that he preached the gospel. He was sharing the good news to the shepherds who were regarded as social outcasts. Dr. David Jeremiah descri- describes this as the fir- world's first evangelistic meeting. The shepherds were the congregation, the herald angels were the preachers, the announcement was the gospel message, and the invitation was acted upon by everyone who heard it. You see, we see an immediate response. We see that word again, haste, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. There was no hesitation, no discussion, no votes, no what should we do with this. They just looked at each other and says, let's go and see this wonderful thing that we have been told about. And then we go to another part of the story that we talk about every year at Christmas time. Another part that we're familiar with. And that is the story of the wise men. These are scholars from the east who came to worship the king. We know that they're wise men, most likely from Persia, modern day Iran. They traveled, could have traveled eight to to 900 miles to get there to see the Christ child. And the reason they did this is because they were scholars, they were astronomers, they were astrologers, they were looking at the stars, and they knew, because at the time of Daniel, the prophet, he had given a prophecy about this. 
And also Balaam had mentioned a star coming from Jacob. So they were reading this because of the history and the knowledge that they had, because they were seeking truth. And using this knowledge, when they saw the star, they went, and and we gotta watch what we hear, they went in the direction of the star when they saw it. Now the thing about the star is, as we get a little bit further on, there's no clear indication that that star stood there the entire time they traveled. They saw the star and they went in the direction of the star. We'll talk a little bit more about how they got to where they were going and then how the star comes back into play later. But they saw the star, they knew the direction to go and they went. And it just reminds me, just recently I was spending time with my family and one of my grandchildren, we were out in the woods walking and Levi looks up at me and he goes, Pop, Pop, where are we? And I just imagine these wise men, they're just, where are we? We're going, we're going east. And the best thing I could tell my grandson is we were on this path and I says, we're, we're going in the direction we need to go, but where are we? And so I told him something that my dad would always tell me because my dad had a habit of taking every back road he could ever find. You could not go down the interstate. You had to go down the back roads because it was so much more fun at two o'clock in the morning when you run out of gas on the side of the road. But we would always say, dad, where are we? And my dad would always say with great confidence, I know exactly where we are. And I'd go, where? And he'd go, we're right here. And honestly, I believe with the wise men, that was the story of their one to two year journey. Where are we? We're right here. Where's right here? It's right where God wants us. We're just going to go. And we're going to get there. You see, this journey took faith because just like the shepherds, they saw and they went. The shepherds heard and they went. You see, the Magi were men who read and believed God's word. They read the prophecies. They sought Jesus. They sought what this prophecy was about. They recognized the worth of Christ. They brought him gifts. They humbled themselves to worship Jesus and they obeyed God rather than man. They were wise men. And in Matthew chapter two, it says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now notice, it doesn't say the star led them to Jerusalem. It says we saw. Not that we're following. We saw his star in the east. So where did they go? They went to the one place they could think of as to where a king would be born. They went to the political center. They went to the place of political power. They went to the palace. And when they met with King Herod, they made this announcement to him that the king of the Jews has been born. But Herod 
did not meet this announcement in the same way that the shepherds met this announcement. He was angry. Bible says when Herod heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Because when Herod was upset, Jerusalem knew there was trouble coming. There was going to be a problem. And the next part of the scripture is just very interesting because it says he called together the chief priest and scribes. And we think his, his wise people, no. He called together the chief priests and scribes of the people. The leaders that we go to. The people that we listen to. The people that tell us about God. That's who we call. The people, the leaders that the people look to. And it's just very casual. And they say, he says, where is, where is he to be born? And they told them, in Bethlehem of Judea. So for it is written by the prophet. The chief priests and scribes didn't seem puzzled by the story. They didn't seem shocked and had to go figure out what they were talking about. They just, yeah, about six miles down the road, third house on the left. That's where he is. And it's just amazing that people who saw a star two years earlier followed the direction of the star till they got to where they thought the child would be. And the people that were looking for the Messiah, that were praying for the Messiah, that were hoping for the Messiah, were six miles away from the Messiah, knew he was there and didn't even bother to walk over there to check on it. It's these people from 800 miles away that did this. And once they told them, now the star really comes into play. Because Matthew says, after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After they spoke to the chief priests and the scribes, the star appeared. It led them to the house where he was born. You know, it makes me wonder sort of all of this excitement. The shepherds knew about it. The wise men knew about it. But it doesn't appear that there was this big flock of people from the town. You know, you go to these small towns where something great happens or lots of visitors. They depend on visitors to come in. And you go and you talk to a local and go, oh, where's this whatever it is you're looking for? And the locals just sort of roll their eyes and they go, yeah, about two blocks down on the left, third house down. That's where you're going to find it. They enjoy the, what this thing brings them. But it's just nothing to them. Sometimes it's just a bother. Because it's bringing all these strangers to town and they're just disrupting my life. And so God had to use a star. He had to use other ways to get them there. And so they come and they worship him. They give him the gifts. And they went on there and and they worship the king. And now all of the players, all of the pieces, everything that God needed 
is in place. Everything has happened just as he has planned it. So let's talk about the two scriptures that we're going to really look into today. And it won't take us long to sort of tie this whole story together, to tie all of this into one piece that makes a difference for us today. So if we go to Luke 2, starting with verse 17. And this is talking about the shepherds. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had had been told them. And then if we flip over to Matthew, starting with verse 12, chapter 2, verse 12. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. That's where we are today. That's the part of the story that we're living right now. We came, we saw, we worshiped. But now what happens? What do we do? See, we're all part of this amazing Christmas story. Every year we hear it, we experience, we celebrate it. And the part that we do each year and every year is the same thing as the shepherd and the wise men. We come, we see. But the question that we need to ask ourselves is where will we be when all the excitement and the fun is over? How does this change our lives when we go back to our jobs, to our homes, to school? You see, everyone that was a part of this story was willing to tell the story. They were willing to leave proclaiming the good news of great joy. They were willing to say something has happened that's going to change our lives. Come be a part of it with me. Come share it with me. Or were you just those that go back and nothing's different? Nothing's changed. God broke his silence. He broke a silence that lasted over 400 years. He used angels, teenagers, shepherds, wise men. And he even used the prideful religious people to make his voice heard again. And of those people, it was only the prideful religious people who were searching for him, seeking him, that completely walked away unchanged. The ones that were changed were the ones that were willing, were open, faithful, 
and obedient. Those are the ones that have changed the world. The ones who have proclaimed the good tidings of great joy to all people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just I just come to you right now as we sort of come to the end of this of this season. This amazing, wonderful season. Where God came to earth. Where God was born here. Where Jesus lived with us. And he gets us. And he understands us. And I just pray as we, we leave the celebration of, of your coming. Of the beginning of your redemption for us. That we don't go, oh, it's just January 2nd, it's time to get back to work. That we look at the fact that it's January 2nd and it's time to proclaim the good news. Because I came and I saw, I heard and I went. And I have to tell somebody. I've got to tell somebody. We'll take a moment right now. I just want to ask each and every one of you, is there someone here? Is there someone watching that's heard but hasn't gone? That needs to go and worship them? Do you need to receive Jesus? Because that's what all of this is about. It's about that God came so that we can have a personal, private relationship with him. If you need to start that relationship today, I want you to pray this prayer. We just borrow my words and pray this prayer with me. You can use your own words or you can use the words that I, that I use. Just say, Father, I'm a sinner. And I have heard the good news that you bring. And I want that good news to be a part of my life. I want to share this good news. So Father, forgive me. Forgive me. Make me whole. And walk, let me walk beside you and grow in my relationship with you. In your name. Father, I just thank you for this season. I just thank you as we move forward from this season that we will remember the good news and that we will share the good news. As we begin this new year, we want to start with communion. And just ask if you'd get the elements out.
Tom, to your right. after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me celebrate your birth and then also celebrate your death and resurrection at the same time but they all go together one without the other doesn't work we need it all just like you needed all the players in the part of the story so that when you came it was what you had planned Father God, I just pray right now that you just break us. Help us just to get out from all the craziness of the way that we've commercialized this whole season. And let us just get back, just like Linus, just reading the scripture telling the story the way that you told it. That there was a baby lying in a manger and that that baby was going to forever change the world. And that there was no going with us this week as we head out. 
Help us to not just move back into normal normalcy as we've always known it, but help us to move back into proclaiming and to talking and sharing and to telling the good news to anyone who will listen. In your name.